Do you think we can think? <laughs> I think we can think. I don't, I don't think we can think. I know you think we can think, but I don't think we can think. I think we should just uh, plan around the thinking part of it so that, we, so that it's no longer an issue. Okay. That's what we do. It's a maneuver in, in uh, psychic space. But uh, if you're not comfortable with it, I can take care of it. I know some people over there. And they actually helped me fold the laundry. Those people from over there. I see. Because I was hurting when I was folding, so I had to have some help from those people over there. You know that they're close by when you hear somebody say, It's 9.18 a.m. Saturday, February the 3rd, 2024. I'm Bill. I'm Diane. It's the Bill and Diane Show. I see. Yes. And affiliates. We are here in the candlelit laundry room. <laughs> it's not Surra- the laundry room. <laughs> Surrounded by fantastic pieces of art. So that any whenever I raise my eyes to greet the morning, I see art. And One little, time. little windows that you wouldn't mind just kind of climbing into. One time when Chela came to see me at this house, uh-huh. she said, my gosh, every corner you look, there's eye candy. Yeah. She really liked that. I, I'd never heard that before, That's eye good. candy. That's good. That's good. I think that describes it well, Diane. Anyway, it's a nice place to hang out. And I guess it's been kind of a hangy-outy kind of week here in Lake Abundance. Not a bad one been a little herky-jerky in my body, but what are you going to do? And mine as well. And yours as well. Here we are. I'm, we're, we're all uh, uh, going through a process of renovation, uh, rebuilding, restructuring, and uh, revamping and stylizing. Yeah, and, interesting. Uh, actually, our contractor came over right after the show last week oh, yeah. or actually before you even went upstairs i think to do the show i mean, oh, maybe well, the, mean, do the post do yeah the, to yeah. do the post yeah because it may have been a little late <laughs> last week yeah but like I, this week you mean yeah yeah well i mean saturday right of last week i know but he had come over uh just to to ask us our well, you know, how we envision everything. And we had already done a lot of the legwork. and You had done all of the research. And I had looked at your research and said, yep, works for me. That's that's my involvement. And boy, it's I usually have to take a nap after that <laughs> because it's really taxing. But, oh my gosh, he showed us pictures of all the outside work he had done. And I was thinking how little invasion he has had in our lives to do this major, major stuff. I know. I, I mean, he's, he's basically rebuilding a side of our home. Yeah, the, the, the southwest corner of our building is being rebuilt. 
Because in this building, there are actually three townhomes, all in one building. And it's, this building has some major issues. Yeah, it has some major like, issues. Know, well, all of Electrical systems and floor joists and, yeah. you know, no insulation and, you know. But I, I think crazy. when I heard that it was going to be months of this, I was expecting it to be really displacing us. And, uh, but well, so think, far, it has not. I think when he I begins think Tim the, takes extra steps uh, to ensure that. Yeah. I'm not sure that he would have, if we weren't here, whether he would have built, actually built a roof over the skylight upstairs right. so that the leak wouldn't keep leaking yeah you know uh, i think he would have just torn that skylight out first thing and redone that first off and we wouldn't have to worry about us being cold in here or whatever but he's quite the renaissance he, man the guy is a philosopher and i just think we are lucky to kn- to know him uh, as a friend and as an ally and he really seems to like us i know i think the reason that he likes me diane and i know you, you were telling me the other day he really likes you bill and i think the reason he likes me is because i'm with you <laughs> and he figures i must have something because i'm with you so i think that's why tim likes me well you see i think that you it could go both ways i could <laughs> say that all the people uh, in your life i uh, mean look at the bill davy concert look what? at all those people who are coming I for know. you right. bill for you well, so you know. to raise some money for yeah it's yeah. for you it's to raise some money to you know for the ms people it's for you because they love you well, so whatever. there you go we are we are blessed with wonderful treasurable friends true that true that we are i don't know uh i've never heard of an event like this happening maybe maybe it's it's like the it's like the kennedy center honors of this little world that we have occupied you know and nothing like this has ever happened in in this world yeah, no, I can't think yeah. of any either where people are just singing yeah. a person's songs. So, I mean, I know heartfelt gratitude for Mike, who Mike Buckman, Mike who Buckman, thought of it. You're a hero, and uh, definitely a hero. And it'll be a wonderful thing to be able to contribute. But other than construction and physical therapies and you know all of that our our lives right now are really about that little core of things you know it's all kind of it's it's like i mean the doings of our life right yeah yeah i guess it doesn't cover the thinkings and the ponderings and the ideas that are floating around of which there are quite a few well there really have been this week i uh, both because of I think I mentioned last week this inner work of aging uh, it, about the biography, uh, you know, that people, when they're older, they feel driven to share their memoirs. And, yeah. um, and it's because you get a chance to look back at your life and, and see what it was about. And so she is encouraging that kind of writing in um, the author of the book, Inner Work of Aging encourages you to write memoirs and from a variety of uh, 
ideas, you know. What was it like from the time you were young to the time you were old, just being a body in that time? What what sorts of things happened? Yeah. But I had the the real pleasure of talking with my brother about, and it didn't start off with, uh, with talking about the inner work of aging. It started talking about uh, this series that both of us had watched on um, Hulu called Feud, Betty and Joan. And it was yeah. about Betty Davis and Joan Crawford. And we started off talking about the fact that some people really feel offended that uh, biopics uh, that are fictionalized aren't always accurate to the letter about a, a life. Yeah. But I actually <laughs> I said to Gary, that has never offended me because, first of all, you, you can do the research to see how accurate it was. But when somebody is presenting a life like like they were doing with John, Joan Crawford and Betty Davis uh, in a particular period of time uh, while they were working on the movie Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. When they're presenting that, the the storytellers have to have an arc to the story and they have to have a narrative that they are following based on what they know about the facts but I said you know the thing that's really weird is you know sometimes with a narrative they may have to take things a little out of order chronologically or whatever but isn't that the way that we all deal with our our stories about our lives you know like I was saying to Gary the number of times that I have uh, you know that you have thought that somebody was in the room that wasn't that uh, that you that you're telling the chronology of your own life and you say, oh, this happened, this that, and some chronological event, you get displaced because it doesn't really make sense that it happened. <laughs> I said, you know, life is pretty random, and it's hard to tell it unless there's an arc, a narrative, and I think we all do that. And so I have no problem if somebody fictionalizes something and is trying to make a point and does that in a narrative. And then you can look later and find out what was inaccurate about it. But um, but that led to a, a conversation about our own memories of some things in our lives and and our thoughts about our parents and and how fortunate we were to grow up around these people, how uh, it was just a really wonderful conversation because we brought up things that, you know, through the course of a life, you have your your little rebellions against your parents, which you have to have. Mm -hmm. And um, both Gary and I thought our rebellions were pretty small (laughs) um, in the grand scheme, although at the time they seemed huge you know um just because of the emotional content of it but but uh it's amazing how much of my parents 
admonitions over over the lifetime and all the things that they cared about have carried on through us and um, how much we appreciated uh, what they had passed on to us. And that was a really major conversation for me. Yeah. Um, both from the standpoint of talking about the biopics and the narratives and, yeah. and realizing the chronology is not always... That's not how how stories work. Yeah, Yeah. you don't have to have it that, oh, yes, this happened this day and this, you know, you don't have to thread it all together. I think it's in a biopic thing like that. I think what they're trying to do is get the people right. Yeah. Get the people right, get the conflict right, uh, that kind of thing. And, yeah, you you have to compress the story into a form that you can tell in six hours or however long those little miniseries things are. And, uh, well, I basically think that you don't have a lifetime to tell the story of a lifetime. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And I also think that the reason why these stories even exist is something happened that is known about these people. Um, actually I did not know about the feud between Betty Davis and Joan Crawford. Um, but it was a very interesting, uh, presentation. And I thought, uh, I thought the narrative was wonderful because it, you know, whether or not it was true. Yeah. And they would, the structure of it was meant to parallel the movie they were making. Exactly. And Which, so that, that brings in, that's artistic storytelling. That's right. Yeah. And especially that... And all storytelling is artistic because it's not a reliving. It's a story about... I got myself a cup of coffee here and I'm going to take me a sip. You know, a whole thing that you can tell in six hours. Ah, ham and eggs. Well, and I think the thing that was so fascinating about it is the narrative, basically, that they wanted to tell. You know, if if the thread of the theme was true, was wouldn't these these two people have been better off if they had been friends, you know, the whole time and that they had been able to be allies rather than, um, than antagonists and kind of showing how people jiggered that, uh, other people jiggered that just to keep the movie popular. And, um, and then it made me wonder why, is it that we are as a as human species uh, as human so fascinated with with rancor between people I don't know. it's not not a cool thing it ain't cool diane it's not cool it's not cool now we're watching the one about truman capote and that's not cool either yeah, yeah. well man that's but that's but now. that is i mean certainly uh, i I think that there it was a, there is a fascination for me to understand why these people are driven towards being in the public eye all the time, which drives all that rancor. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It was it's been a fascinating thing to to watch. Yeah, and it's also you're getting a glimpse of a historical period that wherein we were children, you know. And, Here's what the grown-ups were doing. And the other uh, interesting thoughts that, for me, of this week 
came from watching um, a cinema therapy that we watched yesterday. This YouTube phenomenon that Seriously. that I've been very interested in. Yeah. Um, that was about Dead Poets Society, and the two hosts of this show, a therapist and a filmmaker, that they basically choose a theme about a movie and they explore it from psychological and filmmaking um, aspects. And they are, I've mentioned them before because they're just so... Uh, they have produced something that is so entertaining yeah, and so... It's like Fun. Siskel and Ebert on acid or something. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they had this, uh, uh, I am, I actually became a patron of them on the Patreon page right. because I wanted to see the extended cuts, yeah. you know, yeah. and this particular one, they interviewed, uh, one of the actors one when, of the real central actors in that movie. Yeah, who had played Charlie Dalton in yeah. the Dead Poets Society. And he was an incredibly intelligent, articulate, astute yeah. person to speak to about the movie, which is a movie I revere. Yeah. I think it's just it's really a marvelous good. movie. And they brought up so many concepts in that uh and i really you don't have to be a patreon i haven't looked at the the more you know edited down version but it's always available on youtube um but there were a lot of themes that were going through that conversation and the first one that they were talking about was uh because the actor gail hansen i think is his name uh, who played Charlie Dalton that they were interviewing, he had gone on to be a film executive trying to make movies. Yeah. And and he said he had been so fascinated by being a part of this as a young actor that he wanted to kind of be in the room where decisions were made and found how incredibly difficult it was. Yeah. Um, and so the the hosts and he were talking about how uh, you know the difficulty of producing the sorts of movies that should be made because of the history of how things happened you know when when blockbusters came you know right. why would they want to fund some little project when they could make billions of billions dollars billions of dollars uh, on some blockbuster iron man 12 and that was a fascinating thing, but one of the one of the things they were saying was uh, the filmmakers are younger, uh, the the hosts are younger than we are. I would say they're in their late forties, late forties, yeah. Maybe. They're they still have young children and all that, and the filmmaker was saying, "I really wish." more people would go to the theater but so many things including this movie probably would go straight to streaming if it was even made These now days, yeah. and I was writing a comment to the uh, in the Patreon page and as I was talking about it I said I saw this when it first came out in the theater 
because back, and I hadn't even thought about this, that we didn't even have video rentals. That didn't even happen until the 1980s. So if we wanted to see a movie... You went to a movie theater. You went to a movie theater and saw the movie. And and that particular movie uh, I was looking forward to because it was directed by Peter Weir. And I was... And had Robin Williams in it. And had Robin Williams in it. I mean, it was just like... Oh my God! Yeah, you know, hitting on multiple points. Because Peter Weir, oh my gosh! Up until that point, I had uh, my brother really introduced me to the work of Peter Weir. We had gone to see Picnic at Hanging Rock. We had gone to see Gallipoli, uh, Gallipoli, which just, oh my God! Seeing that in the theater, it wrecked me. Yeah, I mean, I sobbed, literally sobbed for like an hour after watching that movie in the theater. Um, and Year of Living Dangerously and Witness. So all of those had preceded Dead Poets Society. And um, man. Yeah. He's a... It's a good movie. It's a good movie. But it, it was really wonderful to listen to these extremely intelligent conversations about both movie making and the movie and uh and moments in the movie where his character was the kind of the pivot point something would be changed and he was always kind of the in a way he was kind of like the leader of the pack amongst the young amongst the kids in the the film and oh my gosh the actors (laughs) In that film, <laughs> where where they went after that yeah. film, I mean, Ethan Hawke is just yeah. he's. There's so many incredible. faces in that movie that I recognize from you know, the thirty or forty years since it came out, gone on to do other things. You know? Yeah, but that's one of the things I said in the comments too. Is I said I'm I'm grateful for streaming because otherwise there would be no way for us to see these films because they wouldn't be in the theaters anymore, yeah. you know. Yeah. I even remember when we were kids that uh, they used to have old films come, you know, like into, what do they call those, a theater that just features old films like retro or mm. there's some sort of... Um, name of theaters who, that will actually show you some of those old films because we saw a lot of the old musicals when we were kids and they were a lot older but there's no way you'd be able to see all of the wonderful movies that have been produced so it's yeah oh well there aren't that many movies that uh, because so many of the movies that are in the theaters now are the spectaculars you know And I'm not as much into the spectaculars as I am into something like Dead Poets Society. I think those movies are still being made, but yeah, they are being made for Netflix or they're being made for Hulu or whatever. And that's okay. I think think the industry is just learning, well, we can't, if we want it, if you want to do this kind of movie, you're not going to make. Pardon me, I'm going to have another drink of coffee. Big money. Yeah. You're going to have trouble raising big money. Ew. Boy, to make the movie, and that's good coffee. No, I know that they are being made, yeah. but not for the, the for the big not screen. Not for wide release, and, and that screen. was one of the the points that the filmmaker was making was he was saying, 
this would never have been produced on the big screen because there weren't enough spectacular elements to it. But there's nothing like seeing an emotionally revelatory movie in the theater with a group of people. In the dark. So, anyway, I... I, uh, I thought that was such a, for some reason, that just blew my mind to think about, oh, my God, there was no way we could have watched any of these movies in any uh, other way. And yeah. how fortunate Unless we were. Unless they were on, you know, NBC Friday Night at the Movies or something, in which case it would be edited and full of commercials. But how fortunate we were that theaters were a different kind of experience back then. And um, they you weren't in a shoebox with thundering sound around you you were just in a movie theater that was actually more like a theater in some ways seems like the the sound design of movie theaters these days actually makes it harder to hear dialogue it does it makes the explosions sound great yeah and you know the car chases and things like that but you can't understand what people are saying half the time they need to throw up some subtitles for us old timers so and, along the lines of the reminiscence and memoirs, memoirs. Um, the the choice of music today is because of the death of Melanie Savka. Yeah, yeah. I, she Melanie died on January twenty third of this year, twenty twenty four, and uh, I heard about it and was actually, uh, I immediately thought of the song that she <laughs> was famous for, which uh, I, I feel was wonderful. When I was, uh, when I was young, I just thought it was a great song and playful and fun. And, and I, uh, I actually explored her, uh, you know, there, there's a streaming yeah. list that you can listen to, and there were a lot of good songs, but yeah. a lot of the ones that she sang were written by other people. But she did write the the most famous one, the brand, brand new, new key, key. and uh, and also um, look what they've done to my song, yeah. which were I I remember. I mean, as far as flashback to a memory. I remember when that come, came on my little transistor yellow transistor radio. radio. Right. Those are transistor radio tunes, yeah. <laughs> and especially the thing that was interesting is I, I actually read that she, uh, that there was a special piano that they used to... Uh, oh, in, in Brand New Key? Yeah. Yeah. It's like a toy, it sounds like a toy piano. Yeah, they... They did it, uh, since the song was notable for its use of a piano specially prepared with tacks, clothes, pegs, and paper clips to produce its distinctive tinkling sound. Mm. It says, however, Melanie had mixed feelings about the song, saying it doomed me to be cute the rest of my life. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. But she also uh, had talked about it, and I guess I wasn't really aware that there was a controversy around that song. Um, that some people thought it was very sexual and that it was actually banned from some radio stations. And so it was interesting to to read her take on that because uh, so the way she wrote that song, it says, 
I was fasting with a 27-day fast on water. I broke the fast and went back to my life living in New Jersey, and we were going to a flea market around 6 in the morning. On the way back, I had just broken the fast from the flea market. We passed a McDonald's, and the aroma hit me. And I had been a vegetarian before the fast. So we pulled into the McDonald's, and I got the whole works, the burger, the shake, the fries... And no sooner after I finished my last bite of that burger, that song was in my head. The aroma brought back memories of roller skating and learning to ride a bike and the vision of my dad holding the back fender of the tire and me saying to my dad, you're holding, you're holding, you're holding, right? And then I'd look back and he wasn't holding and I'd fall. (laughs) So that whole thing came back to me and came out in the song. I wrote it in about 15 minutes. I thought it was cute, a kind of old 30s tune. I guess a key and lock have always been Freudian symbols and pretty obvious ones at that. There was no deep, serious expression behind the song, but people read into things into it. They made up incredible stories as to what the lyrics said and what the song meant. In some places, it was even banned from the radio. My ideas about songs is that once you write them, you have very little to say in their life afterward. People <laughs> would take it any way they want to take it. That's, yeah, that's the truth. Anyway, I I really enjoyed having this blast from the past um, come to my mind because I don't think I've listened to this artist and no. since probably since she was a hit back yeah. then. I don't think yeah. I've heard it since, so... We appreciate all your work, Melanie. What a what a fun musician and storyteller you were. I rode my bicycle past your window last night. I roller skated to your door at daylight. It almost seems like you're
little sisters of the sun lit candles in the rain fed the world on oats and raisins candles in the rain lit the fire to the soul who never knew its friend Maya Baba lives again candles in the rain to be there was to remember so lay it down again Oh, lay it down, lay it down, lay it down again. Men can live as brothers, 